I'm Jennifer, and you're listening to the Jennifer Kayla Ruskin Podcast. I'm passionate about helping you create the relationship and sex life of your dreams. Welcome to conversations about open relationships, online dating, and conscious uncoupling. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm really excited because I was on Shannon's show a few months ago, and we just did a swap. So welcome to Shannon. Shannon Hammaker is on today. She is a sexual health educator and also a podcast host. So if you missed our first podcast together, I'm going to put that link in the show notes because I have a feeling by the time you get finished listening to this podcast, you're going to want more of our dynamic duo. We were cracking up because we have kind of like an animal print vibe, like sexy animal print. She's like got the Dalmatian, sexy Dalmatians, and I'm like a <laughs> cheetah. So we have all this animal energy today. And I should mention the name of your podcast, which is Sexually Speaking. It's mm-hmm. super juicy and yummy and has she has amazing podcast guests. I wanted to say hosts, but guests come on the show. Um, it's really enjoyable and she's an, an amazing host. So also, if you're not following her, go down to the show notes below and go ahead and follow her show because you're going to want to hear more of her. So today's conversation is something I've never done before. This entire month, we're talking about conscious uncoupling. And when I came on to Shannon's show, we talked about that. That was my topic on her show. And today gets to be something different. So we have a really spicy topic today and we're calling it midlife misery to midlife magic. So let's just jump in. Shannon, I love to normalize our guests. So would you talk to us about being the wife and the mom and all the things that you are and how in the world did you get into like sex education and this space that Mm -hmm. you're in? And then we'll launch into our topic. Yeah. Thank you so much. I was so excited to get to hang out with you again today and be able to share some more off of what we built yeah. from that conversation before. So I am, yeah, I'm a mother of two. I have been married for almost 19 years. And the way that I got into this curiosity about the topic of sexuality started when I moved from California to Tennessee when I was in high school. And I noticed a very big difference in the conversations of my friends in California. There's a lot of awareness. We We all had sex ed in sixth grade, where we put our questions in a box and the teacher would answer them confidentially. Like I remember learning what 69 was and I was like, gross, we'll never be doing that. And then I moved to Tennessee and the conversations were about who was dating, but I noticed there was like a, almost a naive kind of, there just wasn't much conversation around sex. It was more about relationships And the curiosity wasn't there, at least amidst the group of my friends. And then I went to, I went to, um, college and I had another chance to learn some of the answers to questions that I had about sexuality. And I took this human sexuality class and the professor that was teaching visibly got nervous. It was her first time teaching this class. And she would tell us to just read the textbook at home quite often and just finish the work at home. And I just found it interesting that it was something that we all did, but nobody really talked about, kept trying to get these answers. And, you know, I found some in California and then in Tennessee, there was a a difference in the approach around sexuality. And so here I am years later as a mom and, you know, I know there's a lot of in-between stuff that happens there, but, you know, I got married and there was just this, there was just this misunderstanding and this miscommunication. I felt like, you know, my husband and I both came into this marriage with a lot of misconceptions, misunderstandings. And I still, after taking human sexuality, did not know how to talk about it. So, you know, our kind of go-to conversation around sex was based on the movies that we saw and you know, pornography or, or magazines and what little we did know, it was like, we just kind of went on this relationship idea, you know, like you complete me, um, let's, you know, let's stay together forever. And we had this amazing chemistry that just over time kind of fizzled out. And it started with that intimacy piece. It was like, what is sex? What is intimacy? And for a while there, I, I, you know, I went to school in um, 
I graduated with a degree in human ecology and child and family studies. So I learned about families and I thought about being a sex therapist, but I just didn't want to go back to school. And I didn't see myself sitting in a, an office talking about this stuff all day, every day. And so I went to a, a party, it was a direct sales party and it was called pure romance. I'm sure you've heard of those. And I thought, okay, this is in early 2000. I thought this would be something I could do until I can, until I can find a real job. And what ended up happening was it was like this platform for me to talk to women because here in the South, they'll have some get togethers in their, in their friend's living room. And that is the safest place, right? So we would have these conversations and then I'd have some women that would say, will you come and talk to us at church? Or will you come to talk to us at this, uh, breast cancer, you know, breast cancer, young survivors group. And so with each person that would ask me to talk about sex, will you teach my, will you help me teach my kids about sex? I was always a yes, because I felt like I was, if I didn't know the information, I would find it out. So, you know, I was doing kind of the surface level sex education and then when my husband and I started having some challenges with our marriage in 2016, 2017, that's when I, I I had to kind of pump the brakes a little bit and say, okay, lubricants, you know, sex toys are a lot of fun, but but I still need like, what are we missing? There's something deeper. There's a deeper connection. There's a deeper communication. And at the time, I didn't realize that I was at the start of perimenopause. So that brought me to where I was like, okay, I, I want to get more certification. I want to have understanding. I want to be able to talk about this because just that surface level personal growth that I was learning about was not getting to the root of the problem. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what to say or to do. And so that brought us to this crossroads of, okay, where, where are we at? What are we doing with this marriage? Are you following so far? Oh, absolutely. I have like 15 questions to ask when you're finished with the story. Yeah. This is making sure just wanted to check in and yeah. So we, so, you know, as I'm learning these things, I kind of, I felt like this fraud teaching, you know, teaching college, I would go to colleges and do presentations for the dorm communities, or I'd, you know, talk about, um, talk about this with other couples or young moms. I was a young mom at the time. And I'm like, yeah, sex is important. And people are like, I bet you have an amazing sex life. And I'm like, uh, yeah, well, we all have problems. We all have challenges, (laughs) you know? And I mean, it just was this really challenging topic for me, even though I was talking about it all the time. Mm. And so it wasn't until I heard a friend of mine who also was a part of that same direct sales group that she started doing what was called sex coaching. And I was like, what is that? Because I kept looking at, okay, sex therapy sounds great, but again, it just didn't feel right. Mm -hmm. And then I started learning, oh, there's this other, there's this other component. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do we talk about it? How do we release the shame and the guilt that some of us don't even realize we're still carrying around with us. That's getting in the way of this amazing relationship, or at least trying to decide whether or not you want to move forward with this relationship. It was just like this standstill. So, um, there's a lot of codependency with my husband and I, uh, I would have some bouts of depression. He was kind of operating at like 60%. We didn't under understand like unresolved trauma and how that was holding us back. So it was like this culmination during 2020 where it was like, I had the chance to dig deeper and figure out what the hell was going on. And when that happened, I came across a podcast about conscious uncoupling. And this brings me to where you know, our, where we met, <laughs> where we met. Yeah. And so that was still, that was still back in 2020 though. And I had heard about some of the celebrities, you know, yeah. doing this conscious uncoupling thing, but I was like, what is it? What does it look like? And to me, when I heard the person telling the story, it was, it was the person that founded, um, Tom shoes, uh-huh. Blake something. And he, and it was a topic about the Enneagram and he was the same Enneagram number that I was. I'm, I'm a seven for those of you that are the Enneagram people. I was just trying to figure out more about me, you know, what can I be in charge of? 
instead of trying to put all of the responsibility on my husband to meet my needs, I was like, okay, doubling down on me. Got it. Mm -hmm. And when I heard this conscious uncoupling, it was this like, oh my goodness, there can be another way because I felt like anytime that I, and it could have been, you know, the, the Catholic shame and guilt following me around that story of if you get a divorce, your kids are going to be ruined forever. They're never going to, they'll probably have a divorce. And most of my family members have not gotten a divorce. Neither of our parents have. So it was this, like, I'm not going to live this way, but if I have the opportunity to, to be able to meet my husband compassionately, where we're both at and have this conversation of like, can we envision what it would look like? Is this even a possibility that life would be better for everyone, not just us, but for our kids, if we had the space to heal ourselves, to figure out what we need to do to show up, to be the best that we could possibly be instead of living this muted version of this partnership that, which I would, I wouldn't even call it a partnership at that time. It was like, we were taking care of the stuff at home. We weren't arguing. It was more just like roommates, you know? So having that understanding of that was even a possibility. It just was like a breath of fresh air that I could have more clarity in the steps that I could take to figure out, okay, if we did consciously uncouple, what does that look like for me? How, how do I take care of myself? How do I ensure that I am a hundred percent the person that I need to be that's thriving and making money and being a great example for my kids and being fully present for them and releasing the expectation that my husband has to do anything. Because at the time I was like, you need to, or you should do this or try this or try that. And so it was just like this blanket permission to just let go of all of that and say, this doesn't have to look like that. So that idea of, it doesn't have to be a nasty divorce it can be a conscious uncoupling just led me to have this curiosity about a lot of things like, you know, do I even have to perform for my husband? Do I, what is, what do I want in my desires and what do I want sexually? And why do these things that I hear about make me feel like uncomfortable? Is it really something that has been programmed into me? Or is this, is this something that I learned or is this something that I'm really curious about. And that's why I have that discomfort when I hear about, you know, poly couples or when I hear about um, play parties or, you know, things like that. So I just learned to kind of sit with those things and, and say, is this the next best decision for me to where I want to go? And I, and I, you know, kind of looked at like, what does the future self of me look like mm. now that I have this permission to not be in this muted marriage for the rest of my life. And I'm going to press pause there and ask, see if you have any questions for me so far before I share what happened next. I mean, I do, but I hate to mess up your strain of thought. Will you remember to come right back to this? I will. Yes. Okay. The, the first question that I have, because it sounds like the two of you almost lived in like a black and white movie. And then all of a sudden, somehow you flip the switch to color and you both were conscious at that point of <laughs> we're both really unhappy, but mm -hmm. we're not sure why we're unhappy. And, oh, there's trauma and like, oh, there's shit we need to deal with. So I'm curious, like at what point did this, the switch flip to color? And then I'll ask you another question. I love that. I've been using that metaphor lately of oh, yeah. Pleasantville. Like, you know, in Pleasantville where totally, it, it's exactly what I was thinking of. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. I think, um, you, the movie like comes alive at that point. Right. 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 Yeah. I think for me, what helped things come alive was I just started following the breadcrumbs of curiosity. And that was through books and podcasts and online trainings, you know, thank goodness through, um, and we could have a whole nother conversation about direct sales. Cause I know some people get like, what about that? But we're not going to go there. But, but the great thing about that platform that I had was the ability to still have that as a business and feeding into my sexual health education and understanding 
my body and how it worked and what happens during perimenopause. And so I started just like, you know, turning my, my focus instead of on everybody else, I started turning inward. Like, how can I get to know myself better? So anything that was, you know, like human design, uh, the Enneagram, um, books about like, come as you are by Emily Nagoski. That's like, you know, the self-discovery Bible for those that want more information on their sexuality. I just kept following those breadcrumbs and, and every, I think all of those had that central theme of turning inward, breathing, connecting to your core, connecting to your sexual self, like through to your womb space and learning about feminine energy. It was just like little layers that, that kind of built on themselves. And I I don't remember what, I think it was an Eckhart Tolle book that I read and talking about, I think it was the power of now is what it was. And just talking about the present moment and how you are, you are not your thoughts. And I just remember going outside with my son. He was about six at the time. I have a six-year-old son, or I have a 15 and 10-year-old now. So it was about four or five years ago. He's five or six. And I was holding his hand and we live in a beautiful part of Tennessee where there's a lot of trees. And I just remember everything looked a lot greener and Mm. the, the trees started to sway. And I looked at his hand and I looked at his little hand. It was so soft and it was so small. And I just remember thinking, how have I missed this tiny little hand? And I'm getting mm-hmm. emotional now, but it's because I had spent so much time, you know, turning my focus on what am I going to do instead of having my body and my mind in the present moment together and fully being a part of every moment. And so I just looked at his little hand. I looked at his profile. And from then on, it was like, I would just sit and stare at my kids and, you know, I, I stare at my husband and just not in an uncomfortable way, but more in a compassionate way. Like I'm fully present here, putting my phone down, you know, and journaling. And that, that was like the turning point. And that was in, I think July or August. And then that September I had a trip planned for business and I booked an Airbnb a couple days before I left. And I went with my journal and a bottle of lubricant. I went with um, intention to get to know myself, like sexually, to get to know myself with compassion, like trying to figure out what do I like, what feels good to me. And um, I went and just had had a good old time with myself, went to the beach and journaled and went to a yoga class and like I was, I was ovulating. So I remember the energy was like super electric with the instructor who was teaching. And I was just like learning about all these things, like how my cycle played into how my emotions showed up and how my energy was. Mm. So it was a culmination of so many things, which is so great because those things aren't the things that would work for Jennifer. You know, they not necessarily like, it's not a one size fits all kind of prescription of listen to this podcast and listen to that and then do this and then journal your gratitude. You know, there's some key things that I think are helpful, but I came back with just an awareness of like, okay, this is my time. And I actually had told my husband that, you know, for the next two or three months, I really just, I don't want to be sexual with you. And it's not a I'm putting my foot down and taking it away in a resentful way. I just feel like this will give us both the space. At least I know I need this space to have more clarity and how I want to be intimate with you again when I'm fully committed and fully like present with you. And so we, we did, we took that time and kind of came back. We had a lot of like leaving space and coming back together, which was different for us since we were just used to being around each other all the time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that clarity of getting to know myself in a sexual way was very helpful in reconnecting with him and feeling confident and knowing that I'm not responsible for him. I'm just responsible to him. Like we're a couple, we're a partnership. We're responsible, 
you know, in a team kind of way, but I was not responsible for the way he was showing up as a parent. And it wasn't fair that I was like nagging and, and like gently, like I'm using quotations to say encouraging when it wasn't encouraging at all. I wasn't allowing him to find his voice in parenting. And, um, and yeah, so we, we took some time to kind of reconnect and learn like, okay, what are some things that haven't worked in the past that we can take away from our conversations and just breaking those patterns of communication and what are the things that we can reintroduce? So I, I took away the, you need to, you should, you have to, or why didn't you? It was more just curiosity. Like, is there anything I can support you with? Or, um, can you tell me more about that? Just encouraging more conversation and knowing that we have like different pairs of glasses on, you know, we have different prescription and every couple does. Mm -hmm. So being able to meet each other with compassion and hear the other person out, um, can be just so helpful to break those patterns of the communication that you've built over time that may not be working to get you to that next level of connection and intimacy. Okay. I want to take you back to the moment of waking up and it sounds like it was pretty drastic that you live this black and white life. Both of you together, you woke up, he woke up maybe around the same time and then you changed as a couple. It's interesting because I feel like our stories are actually very similar. Um, We're a bit different in age, but I Catholic school, the programming of that, the feeling very committed in the relationship and trying to make the marriage work, yet feeling very sexually unsatisfied. And there being this moment of awakening and then getting help. For me, it was therapy and finding a good therapist to help with us. But Mm -hmm. It sounds similar too, in terms of you having this awakening also within your body and saying like to yourself, I am not enjoying this. Like, (laughs) this is not what I want. And I want, or I want more and I want you to give me more. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, especially considering y'all are on the other side and I'm sure in a much different place than you were, if you could speak to where you were, Mm -hmm. when you would communicate with him I need different or I need more, or can we try this or that Were you met with like confusion or he just wasn't into it or he just like, where was this kind of mismatchiness? Mm -hmm. Well, I do. I want to point out too, that there was probably about a year to a year and a half of, of Steve slowly coming into his awakening. So we really have kind of healed on our own step-by-step, you know, and that's, that's awesome. A part of the story I can share too. But when I started um, saying, I need more and I need, I, 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 this isn't cutting it, or I, I want more connection. I want more that I realized that was putting a lot of pressure on him. And for years, I put so much pressure on him to, because I was the higher sex drive person. Mm-hmm. He had some, some, you know, sexual trauma from his past. It didn't look like sexual trauma because, you know, one in six, one in six men and boy, one in six men have been sexually abused and one in four women have been sexually abused. And so what we learned was, you know, his story, and this is in one of our podcast episodes was we didn't realize that the older woman, you know, it was a babysitter situation. And when you're at that Mm. puberty age, it's kind of blurry. Like his friends were like, good job, man. You know, and he's like, really? Yeah. Like it was, yeah. Eighties growing up in the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Makes total sense. (laughs) Midwest. Yeah. Yeah. So he, you know, putting that pressure on him, it was like, I knew I wanted connection. I wanted to have like connection, but we weren't getting it because he was disassociating and he was like, I'm, it was like a chore for him. And so learning, learning like the effects on that sexual, that sexual abuse on him. And I have a, a doctor on one of my podcast episodes that goes into 
men and sexual abuse and how it shows up and what it looks like. And, you know, some men are hypersexual where they will seek out sexual experiences outside of that comfort of their marriage. And then others will be hyposexual where they will tamp it down because it doesn't feel good. And it, you know, kind of dysregulates their, their body and their emotions and it's been shoved down. So I took the pressure off of him and I was like, I'm finding out that at, you know, 41 is where perimenopause is the average where that starts. And I'm looking at like, there's changes in body odor, there's changes in sensation, there's changes in uh, your boundaries start and start to announce themselves really loud. Like, I don't want to do this anymore, mm. or I want more. And that's what was happening. And so I just said, I'm going to figure this stuff out. I'm going to let you. I love like that. I'll be thing. back. <laughs> yes. Check it out. I'll be back. <laughs> right. Exactly. So I'm going to, I'm going to see you figure out what's going on. And I may share if you're open to me sharing this experience with you, I'd love to share what's going on. So we started having, you know, these weekly kind of check-ins mm. of just like, this is what's going on. Um, and sometimes they wouldn't happen. And sometimes they would happen for like two hours with a cup of coffee, just trying to sift through all the bullshit that we were carrying. So it was a lot of work, mm. but it was worth it. And we, we both were going to therapy too. I'm glad you brought that up. Therapy was super helpful individually. We were going individually. And so that was super helpful. And, um, so I think giving him the space to figure out what he needed and how we, you know, we were coming to this realization that, oh my gosh, like, even though we weren't in these super hypervigilant conservative Christian families, they're still just growing up in the culture that we have been growing up in. There's still a lot of things that, you know, the Easter bunny really is not real. I hate to bring that up here. Hopefully the kids aren't listening, but little things like that, like just the, the ideas that we were carrying with us that penis in the vagina is not the highlight of a sexual experience for everyone. And there's you know what was coming up for us? It was right. this like Madonna whore complex oh. where he would say, <clears throat> you're my precious, perfect, angelic wife. I can't do those things to you. And I'm like, I just want doggy style. <laughs> like it's it's not a big deal. <laughs> I but like that that's also trauma that it comes up in that way where you know you're ma you're married or you're partnered or you're with your person. It's mm -hmm. it's okay. It's allowed to do mm -hmm. whatever you want in your bedroom together, right? Yeah. There's all these things that start to kind of uncover and come to the surface, and then you have to deal with them, and it's okay. Right. right. Hey there. Did you know that I do online coaching? Yes, I do online coaching in the sex and relationship space. Some of the topics that are near and dear to my heart are open relationships. So that includes polyamory, swinging, or what we call the lifestyle. I also love conversations around online dating. We're talking Bumble, Tinder, Field, and more. And then the last thing that's really passionate and close to my heart is conscious uncoupling. That means we get to break up with people with love and respect, with dignity and hope. We get to create a life for our children that gets to be a little bit different. We can do things better than we have in the past. So if any of these topics sound interesting to you and you'd love to get some coaching from me, check out the link in the show notes or the link in my bio for more information on coaching with Jen. Yes. Yeah, that is so true. I had a, another friend that, or client that um, had mentioned something about that. Like she tried to just give her husband oral sex and he was like, you're the, you're the mother of my children. And she was like, um, okie dokie, you know, <laughs> she's like, yeah, I am. <laughs> Yeah, I freaking love this. And I love that we're talking about this publicly, right? There is so much shame. Mm -hmm. I had, um, I have a YouTube channel <clears throat> and we put 60 second clips from podcasts on there. Mm -hmm. And I recently did a podcast about aftercare. If you don't know what that is, it's after sex. Your partner's not supposed to roll over and turn ESPN on. Mm -hmm. There's supposed to be an aftercare process of loving and bringing your, both of you back down and 
there's a lot of cool things that can happen in aftercare. Mm -hmm. But the 60 second clip was talking about something sweet that Scott does for me in aftercare, something to that effect. I don't remember. It was pretty PG at this point. I mean, the whole episode is not PG, but the 60 second clip was. And this lady comments on it and says, Sodom and Gomorrah. I was like, oh, honey, like if you feel that way about aftercare, what is happening in your own sex life? Right. Mm -hmm. And that we're allowed pleasure and we're allowed pleasure with our partners. Yes. And we should be talking about this. This is why we both are podcast hosts. Exactly. (laughs) I want to bring it to the masses. And I love, I I love that you, I'm going to have to scope out your YouTube channel for those to be able to share some of those to normalize it and to normalize it from normal people, whatever normal people are, but yeah, being able to give people permission to sit with those ideas of like, is this really true? And you mentioned Mm -hmm. shame Mm -hmm. and where did I learn this? Whose shame is this? You know, who put this on me? Mm -hmm. Because it's what is it behind every should is a shame. Like I should be doing this or I shouldn't be doing this. So whose shame is that? Did you learn that from mother energy or father energy? Typically when it's related to self, like I'm not allowed pleasure. I need to give pleasure. That's typically what we learn from that mother energy. And then the Mm -hmm. father energy is how we view others. So others can't meet my needs. So I've got to do everything. You know, that's an example, but that's what I work with, with my clients now is like trying to piece apart the things that it took Steve and I, you know, five or six years to figure these things out and to be able to help them like zero in on that root of the problem and like give, give their inner child that information that, that he or she needed and to say, it's okay it's okay. Your body is divinely perfectly made just the way it is and loving your body, dancing and moving and getting to know your body just with your hands and a bottle of lubricant. Toys are great. They're like the icing on the cake, Mm -hmm. but to be able to, like what I found was to be able to, um, figure out what pleasure looks like and to just kind of get to know the vulva and a different light of like, Hey, like this is creation of so many different ideas. And, you know, that feminine womb space is so powerful when it comes to intuition. And the more I listened and the more, you know, like my, my coach would say, just put your hand over your vulva in the morning and say, good morning. And just start to get to know, just start to get to know her and, and listen and hear what, what she's trying to tell you, like what feels good and what doesn't. And, you know, those little things that we do over time make a big difference. And I think during perimenopause and menopause, that's such a great time to like pump the brakes, bring it back to you, check in because there's so many changes that are going on. And we haven't had much access to menopause magic. Mm-hmm. You know, the history of menopause is, is, misunderstood. And it was always tried to not always, but most of the time, um, you know, the medical community would say like, well, let's find ways to fix it. And they had vaginal injections with lead and acetate and they were using cow ovaries and all these, these, uh, you know, not helpful ways to try to make symptoms go away. And what I'm finding with my clients is just surrendering and learning to listen to your body is the best thing that you can do because you'll start to learn like what you need and what you don't need and just honoring where you're at. And if you're on your cycle and understanding the energies that, that go with that cycle, like right now I'm noticing that I'm in that follicular energy, which is springtime and it's springtime. So I notice I'm talking a lot <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, I have so many ideas I want to share with you. Mm-hmm. Would it then a different podcast? Maybe last week, if I was in that, in that bleeding week where I'm a little more inward and reflective, I may have been a little more slow. So, but I know in talking with you, Jennifer, before I knew you'll be able to hold this energy Mm -hmm. and direct me where you need me. Right. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And you just kicked off, I think the second part of this podcast that we talked about 
the midlife misery. And I, I love what you just said. It's when you're at midlife, like it's a great time to reflect. And I found in my life, every decade I'm reflecting. And I think it's a natural cycle. You know, you're 29 and you're looking at your twenties and you're about to step your foot into your thirties. Oh my goodness. I don't know what to, you know, and then you're like, do I want to keep doing? And I had a lot of friends, me included that got divorced at 29. And we said, we don't want to carry this in. Mm-hmm. And I'm right now at 39, I am months away from turning 40. And I'm I kind of did this a year ago. I was a little ahead of the game where I looked at my life and we've talked a little bit about what that looked like. And I reflected and I said, I need more. My, my, my vagina needs more. My heart needs more. I need deep connection. I need penetration in a deep way, physically and emotionally. And I want to figure that out. And so, you know, my story, we, we opened up our marriage and I started to look for more and I found Scott and Scott's my partner. We've been together a year and a half now and he penetrates me in such a deep emotional. We were just talking about, we just got back from Ireland yesterday and we had so much deep conversation and connection and the family Mm -hmm. and grandma was there and I never would have experienced that if I hadn't have been able to say and been aware enough to say, I need more. And I love that brings us to close to where you and I meet here in our forties of, and then you get to have this, it's not a midlife crisis. It's Mm -hmm. a midlife review. It's an opportunity to go into midlife magic. So take us into midlife magic. What is it? How can we have it? If you've stayed married for 20, 30 years and you're at this point now and you're like, what the fuck have I done this first half of my life? <laughs> I love this podcast because it doesn't have to be, and I have to go find someone else. It gets to be, and we get to grow together and I get to figure out myself and I get to fill my, my cup in all these different ways. Yeah. Tell us about the magic. Uh, oh my goodness. Yeah. The magic, it looks different for everyone. And I want to point out one book before I forget. There's actually two books. There's one um, called Wise Power, and it's written by Alexandra and Shawnee. I forget their last names. They're two different last names, but they just released that book in the fall of last year. And that's an incredibly beautiful spiritual book that talks about the wisdom of of, you know, the menstrual cycle leading into perimenopause and menopause and perimenopause is a full decade of, you know, ups and downs and starts and restarts. And some people like, it's funny, my mom, she's very like high producing do, do, do like intermasculine energy quite often. And she said something like, Oh, I don't remember ever having any problems with menopause. And I just was like, are you kidding me? I remember her losing her shit and just having those ups and downs and her talking about heavier flow days. And she's kind of the optimist that left that behind. So some people may not notice something, but I want to encourage people to notice because what it does is it gives you permission to say, I don't think I'm going to go to that event tonight. I think I'm going to stay at home and read a book, or I think, I think I'm just going to journal, or I think I may write a book. I want to start a podcast. I think I'm going to crochet, you know, whatever it is that brings you joy, being able to find the magic for you looks different for everyone. So that wise power is really good. And then sexually woke. And this book was written by Dr. Susan Hardwick Smith, and she's an OBGYN, and she now has a a full, it's like a midlife center for women in Houston. And she was an OBGYN and found herself frustrated because she said that they learn hardly anything about menopause. It's mo- mostly like, you know, this magical time of uh, having a baby. You can find all these beautiful image, like Google pregnancy, pregnancy. And you'll see all these beautiful pictures of these women with their bellies and they're glowing and, and then Google menopause and it's women like with gray hair and they're like, ah, like screaming. And you know, the, they, it's kind of a joke. And so again, like the access to midlife magic, you you may have to dig a little bit deeper to find what it looks like for yourself. Um, But for me, it was just honoring 
what I needed, whether it was rest, saying no to things, saying yes to things, getting to know my body in a way that celebrates my sexuality that says, I don't have anything against Botox, but I don't think I, I I don't think that's what I need to feel magical at this time. You know, I think that I I'm just in love with my body, knowing that she's beautiful the way that she is, instead of trying to push, it was more of like that surrendering and um, trying to feel what, like what feels good in my body and noticing other women's bodies and how beautiful they are. And like walking behind a woman and just noticing, like, I, it would have been so awkward, but I wanted to be like, your hourglass figure is gorgeous. And you are just your confidence that you have. And so it was like this honoring of other women and honoring myself at the same time. And then as far as sexuality goes, learning, you know, more about my, my language in the bedroom. So the erotic blueprints, you know, learning about the erotic blueprints and, what is my erotic blueprint and how can I be more sensual? That's my, my top, you know, there's five erotic blueprints. I think you had a whole podcast on Mm -hmm. them, didn't you? Yeah. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to the five erotic blueprints or take the quiz at missjaya.com. But learning that helps you understand what feeds that, that like, you know, insatiable need to like, want to feel sensual and bringing sensuality into your space. So I started finding things that like felt good, that smelled good. I started downloading Spotify playlists. Mm. And if I had an urge to like kind of dance, I would like, I would own it. I would just start dancing and I felt so silly by myself, but it was so liberating to just dance. And like, sometimes I'll have my clients put a blindfold on and we'll put on music and just, you know, have them dance and moving their hips. And gosh, there's so many things that I've done. Just, just the things that like looking at, like, what are the five senses wanting in this experience? You know, what does sensuality look like? And even just getting a mirror, like realizing that I had sacrificed a lot of my desires for my kids and my, for, for my husband. And just because my, you know, I learned to kind of live frugally and not want the quote finer things in life. I kept wanting to get like a full length mirror yep. <laughs> and talk myself out of it. And then I finally got one. And now I'm like, Ooh, Oh, I like this. And I'll try on different outfits. And it's just learning to like play and be sensual in my body. Hot tip. Cause I did the same thing as you. And I bought one off Amazon. I'll put the link in the show notes. It was like under $200 stands up, comes fully together. All you do is pop it out. It's gold. It has this really beautiful archway and we use it in our bedroom with sex a lot. I'll, yeah. I'll put it right yeah. next to the bed and I'll be like, I want to watch like the voyeur in me wants <laughs> to see what's happening. And it's so fun. That is so fun. Another thing you can do with it, if it's narrow enough, you can turn off all the lights and put like, we have those candles from Amazon that you, the remote control candles that turn on and you can put those candles around you and kneel over the, the mirror and do a fun little strip tease. But all you can see is basically the, the waist down. So it's like this sensual, sexy vulva vagina, you know, show that you can highlight just, I know, isn't that great? (laughs) I never would have thought of that, but now I might try it. Yes. So little things like that, like the play, the sensuality, the honoring, like you don't have to, you don't have to like love your body, but honoring, I feel like just honoring and respecting where your body's at, knowing again, that if there is that shame or feeling, feeling like you should look a certain way, just stop and asking yourself, like, who said that? Where, Mm -hmm. where did I learn that? Because it's not serving you. And I think really listening to our partners and taking in their compliments Mm -hmm. and generously saying thank you and meaning it. Yes. Our partners want to please us. And they're not lying to you when they tell you that they love your curves. Mm -hmm. They love your mom bod. 
Mm -hmm. like your booty. They're cool with your stretch marks. Like men are so freaking sweet. And I really think that they come from a place of wanting to honor us, but we don't allow it to happen. Mm -hmm. We've been brought up in a certain way that says like, you know, I've been imprinted in this way that says I can't take compliments. It's wrong of me to accept what you want to shower upon me. Mm -hmm. And we're taking that away from our men. We are. Yeah, we are. And also the time where I was doing this, I was not met with many compliments. He was not in a place to give them. Mm. So when, if, you know, if you have a partner that's, that's giving those compliments, absolutely. Or even outside of, you know, receiving compliments from anyone, from friends. But at this time, it was really important that I was finding that confidence in myself and I wasn't, I was not waiting for compliments from him because for years I was going to the gym and work, you know, doing counting calories and doing mm-hmm. this and doing that in an effort to like, am I sexy now? Am I sexy now? And yeah. that wasn't the problem, you know? So now, yes, he's super compliment complimentary. And, you know, I haven't mentioned like where that tipping point was for him yet, mm-hmm. but um, but it was, I, I guess I could go there now. Yeah, you know, please. Was, I'm dying to know. Okay, good. <laughs> like, how does that happen? Because I was to the point where I thought this will never happen and I'll be okay. This won't happen and I'll be okay. If it does, I'm ready. You know, if it does happen, then here I've done all this work, but if not, I'm going to be, I'm going to be amazing whether or not he's here or whether or not we decide to stay together. So I think the culmination of this work of me doing this work and, um, really like not feeling like I had to leave because it wasn't an abusive situation at all. It was just, we both were just not healthy mentally, emotionally. And, uh, part of, uh, part of the process for me too, was, was not drinking anymore. And he was still drinking for a while. And that, that drinking, which had been a fun social thing for a while had turned into an emotional coping mechanism for me. So once I let that go, that also helped with a lot of clarity. But when, uh, you know, so back to like 2020, where I think a lot of people have had a shift in perspective, Mm -hmm. I, uh, I really started to, that was when I, I think about six or seven months into that was when I I really felt confident and I was like, okay, I've, I've got this no matter what. And I read another book called doing the work by Dr. Nicole LaPera, who's the holistic psychologist, just following her on Instagram is so helpful. She's very clear in her, in her delivery on what trauma looks like and how it carries through and how it shows up and how it can look different and how it looks in relationships. So I read her book and it just put everything into perspective for me in a way that I could, I could have a conversation with him and say, I love you where you're at. And I would love to support you in your healing. Um, if you want it, but I'm not your coach and I'm not, I'm your wife and I, I'm the mother of your children but whatever we don't figure out is just going to be carried into our son's lives and into their relationships. And I think it was like that, that moment of your son, you know, our sons are going to carry this on for whatever we don't figure out. And I would love to, let's figure out, figure this out together and we can do it living together. We can be co-parents that will be amazing if we're doing it separately you know, but there's a couple of different avenues we could take. We could stay together and I'm here to support you, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to do the work for you. You have to do the work. Um, we could do this apart where if you think that would be helpful, you know, ironically outside of our kitchen window, you can look across and they they were building new apartments and we both have been thinking, what would it be like if he lived over there and I lived here, we could see each other through the window but we had this separate space. So we both kind of went to that place. Like, what would that look like? And then the, you know, the option of 
being here in this house and watching you live this muted life. Like I, I know you have so much more ability to feel fulfilled and I can't do it for you. I don't know what it looks like for you, but I'm here for you. And he was just like, what do I do? And I said, I, I mean, you know, breath work, meditation. That's what I've heard. You've been going to therapy. And it turns out he was going to therapy, but he was very surface level covering the things, you know, <clears throat> excuse me. And so he, from that point on, just started doing little things every day. He did the calm app and did 30 days of meditation. And, um, he ended up going to a five day retreat called training camp for the soul which helps with inner child work and it helps leave messages behind and, you know, new affirmations that you carry into your new life. And after he went to that, that was like the, that was the big breakthrough. Like if there was a big breakthrough for him, that was it. He came back and before he left, I, I said, I'm really nervous because I, I'm just going to speak it out loud. I'm nervous that you're going to go and and not really commit to the process. I feel like you'll just like, kind of like you were doing with therapy. And the other thing I want to speak out loud is it sounds so silly, but I'm afraid that you're going to fall in love with someone else. And he was like, all right, thanks for, you know, thanks for sharing that with me. When he came back, he was like, I, I did fall in love with someone. I fell in love with you all over again. Like, and that was like, you know, that was our nineties rom-com moment of, okay, here we are. We broke through this stuff, but not really, because we still are doing the work every day and communicating with each other. But for the most part, that was, that was that conversation of like, I'm meeting you lovingly where you're at and I'm here to support you, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to keep living this way. So let's figure this out together. What does this look like? Is it us conscious uncoupling? And I mentioned that too. I was like, I heard this podcast conscious uncoupling. It's a thing. And we both were like, Ooh, that could work. But, um, when it came down to it, you know, doing, doing that work together, but separately still working on ourselves was where the magic was. And now we have done some fun stuff that I never, ever thought were even possible. You know, we've, we meet, weekly. And we talk about like, when are we going to, when are we going to have sex this week? Because we have busy lives. And if we don't plan it, it doesn't happen. And that's not sexy when it doesn't happen at all. But we found that when we do plan it, we're able to get our minds and our bodies ready for the situation. We have music playing. We like Palo Santo. We do the whole thing. And it's usually during the day when, you know, no one else is at home because we work from home together. And then we've also had, had some fun sex exploration, you know, like we're looking at what do we want to try from the will want, won't list. What are the things that you're into that I want to try that you want to try? We're just, we're not like out there like, well, let's do it all. We're just like little bits at a time and going on a getaway together so that we stay, stay on the same page and stay connected. And, you know, we just went to a cabin in the middle of nowhere for a weekend in the winter, like in January. And it was so much fun just having that time to just do whatever we wanted. And we had candles and brought a bunch of stuff and had like just a little mini sex exploration vacation. And yeah, so it's all, I think it's all with intention is where we're at. So nothing is by accident because if we don't plan it, it's just not going to happen. So we, we plan our intentions, like what, what does this year look like and how are we going to show up? And we check in on, on a weekly basis. And again, sometimes it's a five minute check-in, but other times it's like, let's look at the weather. How are we doing on our planning for our trip in the spring? You know, we, we are consciously intentionally not no assumptions talking about stuff. I love that. So I'm curious, you mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, how, you kind of were like living for your kids, mm -hmm. like you're showing up for your kids and you were noticing your kids and you were like, has this changed now that you both are more connected and more in sync? Are you, is the, is your partner first? Like, have you noticed any changes in the way that you operate as a couple? Yes. Yes. We, I think 
we, uh, I mean, we, we have more intention around date nights and overnight getaways. And before there would be this push pull, the youngest is very much a daddy's boy. Like, no, don't go. I don't want you guys to go. Especially after COVID, it was really hard. Like there was attachment things going on and he would say, yeah, we'll, we'll be okay. And he would have this, like, he wanted him to be quote happy, you know, but now what we've noticed is our kid is more confident when we, we just confidently say, no, this is, this is our time. We need this to be better parents and you're going to grow up someday and we want to stay together and we're going to live together for a long time. So this is really important that we have this time apart from you. So we kind of had to retrain our kid, but he's totally fine. And knowing that, you know, someday he'll, should he choose to be in a relationship that whatever person he's in relationship with, Mm -hmm. he'll know it's important to prioritize his relationship too. So, yeah, I think overall it's had a positive effect on our businesses, on our, you know, on our parenting. Um, Our kids talk about how gross we are. Yes, you're doing it right. Yeah. (laughs) I want to ask you one more question before we wrap this up. And that's if you had to, if you could give advice Mm -hmm. to the women that have been together for 10 years, together for 20 years, the younger version of you that Mm -hmm. just hit 30 or was about to hit 40 and they're living in this like, oh, I hate what I've created. I hate my sex life. I don't even like my husband. What have I, like, what would, what would you tell her so that she doesn't have to wait till her midlife? She doesn't have to wait till her mid forties and fifties to create something really magical and beautiful. Well, of course I would say call Jennifer or I for coaching, but (laughs) that was not a plug for me, by the way. (laughs) Um, I think some of the most powerful you know, seriously though, like if there's the most impactful way and you are physically, financially able to get yourself to some type of a transformative retreat, you know, that training camp for the soul is a great one. There's one in June. Um, I, I do retreats. I think there's other opportunities for that where you're learning in community. So finding other people that are on their healing journey too, and trying to learn what, what ways and sharing with each other, because I think that's the biggest thing is that you don't have to do it alone. I wish that I had the community that I have now, like I've been intentionally building this support system of incredible women that life, you know, and that's a big part of midlife magic too, is that we still have some of those sister wounds that some people carry on. And I, I didn't realize I was carrying those as well. Like I felt this weird allegiance to high school friends that we're not like in the same place anymore. I still love where they're at. I still love them where they're at, but, you know, finding community to work through this, um, of people that are consciously trying to grow Mm -hmm. and then starting with that sexual growth, like that personal sexual intimacy, peeling back the layers of what you learn sexually, because I feel like my personal growth as it relates to my sexuality has been the most impactful in how I show up every day and the confidence that I have in my voice. You know, there's a direct relation to the throat and the pelvis and the, the there is some connection when you see a picture of the pelvis and the throat, it's very much shaped the same way. And um, yeah, so just getting to know that that sexual piece of you and what does that look like and remaining curious. So that book that I had mentioned before, Come As You Are, has a re- really good workbook that goes alongside that. It's by Emily Nagoski, and the workbook helps you bring awareness to the messages that you've carried up until now. So being able to look at those messages and say, is this serving my marriage? You know, why do I still feel guilty after I have sex with my husband? Where is that coming from? And then releasing those, replacing them with new affirmations. Like my body is, my body is sexy. My body is perfect the way it is. I have a healthy and thriving marriage. Affirmations are powerful. I think a lot of the things that 
um, have the biggest impact are just small little things that you can do every day that make a big difference over time. So that's what I would start with that come as you are book, maybe get a book club. I love that. I've written all the books down on this tiny sticky note and I'm going to put them in the notes. And I want to add one more piece because I I've noticed throughout this entire podcast, this thread of you saying, I got curious. And then I went and followed the breadcrumbs and it led me to this and it led me to that. And it led me to this and it led me to that. And then, and then I woke up. And so I would say, allow yourself curiosity. And if there's shame and you want to hide things, ask yourself why and continue to be curious, right? I mean, you can listen to a raunchy podcast in your car and nobody will know. (laughs) You can buy a book and hide it under your bed if you need to, like just start, start somewhere, get curious and let things start to unravel in -hmm. your mind and in your heart open it up, see what happens, see what's possible. And your legs. Okay. And your legs. (laughs) I like that. I like that you ended with that. (laughs) All right, guys, this has been amazing. I'm going to put all the links in the show notes. Follow Shannon. She's obviously amazing. I knew you would think she was. <laughs> and I'll put the I'll put the link to the podcast that her and I did together. Um, but I'm grateful that you shared your journey and your story with us that 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 we get to hear a message of and we didn't have to break up. And yeah. we did the work yeah. and we get to stay together. And I think it's important, it's important to do the work and it's important to, you know, stay with your partner as long as you possibly can. And, and he chose growth and I'm so excited for that for you mm-hmm. and y'all get to continue to grow together. Yes. And I'm grateful that you're doing what you do because I, that could have been the path and to have someone to walk alongside you during that process is such a gift. So thank you so much for what you bring to this world. Yes. Yeah. All right. Talk to you All later. Right.